This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. If you would, take your Bibles tonight and turn with me now to the book of 2 Peter. And uh, we're going to pick up tonight with verse number 4. Now, let me say this because we're going to get into some deeper things this evening, perhaps. But I want to reiterate a truth that I shared with you last week concerning some of the things that are mentioned in verse number four, and you got to dig deep uh, for it. What I'm going to be teaching you tonight is not doctrine. And there is a big difference in in doctrine. I cannot be wrong on doctrine. It's impossible. To, to be your pastor, to be your your you preacher, I cannot be wrong on doctrine. I mean, if you are wrong on doctrine, you're wrong on everything uh, because that's where everything revolves around. I mean, if you don't believe, if I didn't believe in the deity of Christ, if I didn't believe in the blood atonement, if I didn't believe in the virgin birth, if I didn't believe in the Genesis account of creation, uh, those kind of things... I could not benefit you, and certainly I would bring a reproach to the name of Christ. If I stood behind the sacred desk of God and tried to be a pastor to you and, and denied the cardinal doctrines of the faith, uh, it would bring a reproach to the name of the Lord, and certainly he would deal with that. So what I'm going to teach you tonight is not cardinal doctrine. Uh, I cannot be wrong on doctrine. I cannot be wrong on theology. But there are some things about the Scriptures that I'll be honest with you, I do not know. That's the beauty of study. We have to study to show ourselves approved in God. And I will tell you this, it doesn't matter who you are. You can be Billy Graham, Charles Stanley, you can be David Jeremiah, you can be all these wonderful great Bible theologians and, and, and never know it all. It's impossible. There are some mysteries about the scripture that that I believe no one on the earth will understand in its fullest until we get to the promised land, until we get to heaven. But what we need to do is to make ourselves the best students that we possibly can, to diligently study the word, and as the scripture says, search the scriptures. And so some of the things that I'm going to share with you tonight, again, it's not it's not cardinal doctrine, and it's not theology, and it's not. Uh, it will not make you any less saved if you do not see it my way, or more saved if you see it another way. It has nothing to do on that. But I have studied this particular verse and in its dynamics, and have researched and uh, have done everything I can to try to understand this passage uh, the best of my ability. It's, it's a complex scripture because it's, it, you read this and you, I, I assure you, you won't get what I'm going to share with you tonight just by reading this verse. And so keep this in mind that if you see it another way, to God be the glory. Uh, he, he can be glorified and uh, all Scripture, because all Scripture is given by the inspiration. Okay, so having said all of that and know that, again, I don't, I don't have all the answers to this. This is one of those particular subjects 
that uh, I'm, I'm going to give you all that I know, and I don't know any more than what I'm going to give you. So I hope you can read between those lines. This is a very complex subject. And I do know that there are multiple scholars that seize it in different aspects. I get all of that, and I have read all of their studies, and I get some of that. So having laid that foundation for you, let's look at this passage. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Now you see the punctuation is a continual statement into verse number five, and uh, we will get to that passage soon, but I want to take some time with verse number four. And the thing that I want you to keep in mind at the beginning of this particular verse is this, that sin did not begin in the earth. That's fundamental. This verse declares that sin actually began in heaven. I want you to look at it. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, all right? So we have to talk about the origination of sin. Sin did not originate in the earth. It did not originate with Adam and Eve. Sin originated with Lucifer and his angels. So you have to remember that's very important. So if sin did not originate on the earth and it did not originate with Adam and Eve, we know, and I'm going to show you biblical clarification and, and proof of that, that sin actually began in heaven. The perfected place of all places. And I want you to turn with me. I want you to look at this passage in Isaiah chapter 14. And we're going to read verses number 12 through 14. And I want you to look at it very, very carefully. The first part of the scripture, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, not the Garden of Eden. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Now, one thing that I want you to know is that the devil, who is Lucifer, has many different names. He's called Satan. He's called Beelzebub. He's called... Uh, the old dragon. I, I could give you several names tonight, but that's, that's not the study. Lucifer, I think every student of the Scripture in here tonight knows that's the devil. Okay. <clears throat> How art thou fallen from heaven? Again, not from the galaxies. 
This particular scripture is in reference to the third heaven. You know there are three. The first heaven is where the sun, the moon, the stars are. You go before, beyond that, you get to the second heaven where the galaxies are. Well, actually, the first heaven is where the, the clouds are, the atmospheric heaven that you can pretty much see. Beyond that is where the sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxies are. And the third heaven is where God's throne is. Okay, that's the heaven that this scripture is talking about. How art thou fallen from heaven? Look at this carefully. O Lucifer, son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? And verse number 13, the scripture says, For thou, look at this, for thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. <clears throat> I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Now, when, when Satan had it burning in his heart, that the day that he spoke these words, as recorded in Isaiah, is the day that God sent him crashing to this world like a lightning bolt out of where his, his throne was. When he said, God, I'm going to be higher than you, I'm going to be more powerful than you, I am going to ascend above the heights. He said, I will be like. I know you're, you say you're God, and I know you declare that you're God, but he's saying, I am going to be like you. I am going to be God. God rearranged his thinking like lightning in the blink of an eye. God hurled him out of his presence, and not only that, but a third, and this is hard to wrap our minds around, but also a third of heaven's angels. Now, you have to remember this. Satan, Lucifer, has not always been. God has always been. Satan has not always been. Satan was a created being. In fact, the scriptures teach us that he was the most beautiful of all of God's created beings. My, my teaching tonight, tonight is not about the talents that he had, but I will mention this, that he was, he was the, the most gifted singer. So he was the most beautiful of God's created beings, and he was the most gifted, and he was the most talented. And uh, we don't know how long from that point where he was created until this incident took place. I have no idea. But I will tell you this, that when this recorded episode took place, God sent him from his presence like lightning. 
And in this process of Lucifer making these declarations to the host of heaven, he had overwhelmingly influenced a third of heaven's angels. Where when this revolt took place and God sent him to the earth, a third of heaven's angels followed after him. I'm going to give you the scripture. So keep in mind that when Satan fell, he dragged a third of the heavenly host with him. I want you to see the scripture in Revelation chapter 12, verses 3 through 4. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads, and his tail drew, look at this, the third part. And again, if you, if you remember what we just read in verse 3, the scripture says, in heaven. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now, you know that in January, I will begin teaching and preaching on Sunday mornings Bible prophecy. We've been doing that for a number of years, and we will continue on with that. And so um, I look forward in teaching Bible prophecy to you. This is prophecy in itself, but this is something that had already happened. Now, I want you to see another passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 10 and verse number 18. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Okay, so let's get into some, some of my study, some of my personal study. Uh, because there are, there, there are two categories here about these fallen angels and demons. And we're going to take some time to look at it. Now, the fallen angels, I want you to think about this. They, to some degree, not, not all of them, but some of them currently inhabit the earth. And they work ceaselessly to hinder God's redemptive purposes. Let me say this, that these fallen angels, a third that were in heaven, they have an unfathomable hatred towards the Jewish people. I want to pause here for a moment, and I want you to look at an Old Testament reference in Daniel chapter 10, and I'm going to read for you verses 12 through 13. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thy heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. All right, this is talking about spiritual warfare. And I want you to see, now, again, it was in a practical way too, but I want you to see something not only towards the Jewish people was this conflict going on, but I want you to see how it 
was engaging with the church, the early church in the New Testament as well. In Matthew 16, verse number 18, the Bible says this, And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And look at this. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, first of all, Jesus is speaking, and he didn't say, he wasn't saying, Peter, I'm going to build my church upon you. He was not the first pope. Look at this. He said, Jesus is speaking. He's saying, I will build my church. The church is the Lord's. He's the master builder, and he said this. Now, you have to remember, if you go back a little bit to the beginning, I say unto thee, thou art Peter. Okay, you're Peter. You remember what his his name was that the Lord clarified that his name meant a stone. You remember that? But Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected, the word says. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter. And Jesus began to teach and he said, and upon this rock, he said, your name means stone, but I am the rock. I'm the rock hewn out of the mountain. I'm the stone, the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, and I'm going to build it upon me, he said, myself. And notice this, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Something interesting about what Jesus said here. He did not say that the gates of hell. What, what's about this thing, the gates of hell? Well, that's, that's a demonic, that's a, that's a fallen angel type of an aggression. Jesus didn't say that the gates of hell would not fight. He said the gates of hell would not win. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What is it? The church. The gates of hell would not prevail against the church, the local New Testament church. This is, and who is the church? This, this building, listen carefully. We, we understand when we say I'm going to the church. We know what that means, 819 Buford Road. Okay, but listen very carefully. We, un, we understand these pews are in 819 Buford Road. We understand the chandeliers are in 819 Buford Road. But listen carefully. None of this stuff is the church. The church, upon this rock I will build my church. He's not talking about bricks and mortar and clay and decorations and flowers and flags and speakers and screens. It's not what he's talking about. The church, those who have been born again, washed in the blood, we have become the church. We are the church. We are his bride. We are his people. So what Jesus is saying here is that the gates of hell is going to fight the church. It's going to fight believers. And even though the devil would rage and wage war against the church, born-again believers, Jesus said very, uh, in a very positive way that they would not win. The demons would not win. The fallen angels. The devil would not win. He said, they shall not prevail against it. So this is why, because we are in a spiritual battle with, with the devil, evil spirits and evil forces. This is why the apostle Paul said, listen, 
because you are engaged in spiritual warfare, it's important that you keep the whole armor of God on. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing in John 5, 15, verse number 5. But listen to this. And, and I want you to see this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10 through 18. The Apostle Paul said, if you're going to do spiritual battle, you're going to need spiritual armor. And this is what he said. I want to quickly read verses 10 through 18. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Some of it and part of it is not going to help us win the fight. He said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able, look at this, to stand against the wiles of the devil. We are in a spiritual warfare. And Paul, he clarifies it. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is not a fight against humanity, but this is a spiritual warfare. He said, but against principalities, this is where some depth and study of verse number four comes in play in Second Peter chapter 2. He said this, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. All right. I want you to keep in mind, fallen angels, and I go back to verse number 4 in Second Peter chapter 2. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, this is talking about fallen angels. All right? A third of them followed Lucifer in his revolt against God. And as a re response to that, God hurled him out of heaven. When God sent him out of heaven, a third of Heaven's angels followed after him. So listen carefully. Fallen angels, they are mighty beings, and they are organized. Listen carefully, because we're going to read, we're going to go back and read uh, verse number 17, 16 again. But I want you to see this. Fallen angels are mighty beings. They are organized principalities and organized powers. They are rulers of darkness. In verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So the thing that I want you to first understand in verse 4 tonight in chapter 2, is that fallen angels are different from demons. They are two different categories. They are different. Now, this is where some scholars and theologians disagree. And I say more power to you if you see it another way. I'm sharing my study with you. won't make you any more saved. If you believe it another way, this is not doctrine. All right? Now, let me say this about these fallen angels. They're mighty beings. 
They're organized principalities and they're organized powers. Now, as far as demons go, demons crave human bodies or they crave to be clothed with bodies of animals. They, they have to have, for lack of better words in this study, they have to have a house of some sort. They have to be clothed with a body, whether it be the body of a human, whether it be the body of an animal. And, and their, their mission is to possess them. I guess probably the best way that I can explain this is if we look at Matthew chapter 8, and I'm going to read verse 28 through 32, and I got 60 seconds. We're not going to scratch the surface with it tonight. It's a bad place to shut it down, isn't it? All right, but look at this. Demons, they have to, they have to inhabit a person or an animal. That's just the way that they're designed. In Matthew chapter 8, verse number 28, the word says this, and we'll read down through verse 32. And when he was come to the other side of the country of the uh, Gazarenes, there met him two possessed with devils. Jesus came across two people that were possessed with devils, demon spirits, coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce. These demons, they were lunatics, so that no man might pass by that way. They were a terror, a living terror to anybody in their vicinity. And behold, they cried out saying, what have we do to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? Now there's a scripture, I'm not going to have time to reference it tonight, but I assure you the devils recognize who Jesus is. They, they know Jesus. They believe in Jesus. There's no question about that. Okay, so they're saying, why are you here, Jesus? What have we to do with thee? What, why are you here? What is your purpose of being here? Jesus, thou son of God. Do you see this? And then they ask him a question. Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Now, what is that in reference to? These two demoniacs, these two demon-possessed people were extremely frightened and threatened by just the presence of Jesus. Jesus was walking, and by the way, this place, this location is on the Golan Heights. So Jesus is passing through, and these two demon-possessed individuals living in caves just the very presence of Jesus frightened them, alerted them. His presence just began to torment them. And as Jesus gets closer to them, Jesus engages these two demon-possessed individuals, and they ask him, why are you here? Why, why are you doing this to us? Why are you here? And the question is this. Why have you go back to the verse uh, that we were just on? He says, and art, look at this. And by the way, it's just one at this time asking the question. 
In my study, that leads me to believe that one obviously was more voiceful than the other. He was the spokesman of the two. And he says, and he asks this, he says, basically, let me paraphrase this. Have you come to torment us before the time? Jesus, thou son of God, art thou, look at this, art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Are you here, Jesus, to torment us before the, what are they in reference to? They know that their ultimate end is to be cast into hell. They know that their destiny is the eternal flames of hell. They know that in the end, Satan is going to be cast into that bottomless pit, and they know they are just as those fallen angels followed Satan in the revolt. They know that their end is going to be everlasting punishment as well. And so what they are fearing is that Jesus has come. Now, this gives you the assurance of another thing. Demon spirits are not omni are omniscient. They don't know everything. If they were omniscient and they knew everything, then they would know why Jesus was there. But they didn't know. And so they begin to ask the question, why are you here? Have you come to send us to hell before our time? We, we know what our destiny is. We know what your judgment is. But have you come to us to torment us, to cast us into everlasting darkness, eternal flames for eternity? Have you come to punish us now before the time? It's 8.04. we got to stop right here. We'll pick back up next Wednesday night, Lord willing. I want, And I'll revisit this particular place next Wednesday night. But let me say this, because something very unusual, very unusual, happened right here. And if I could leave you with one thought, this is, this is the only time in the scripture where Jesus answered the prayer of a demon. Now you think about that. Where he answered the prayer of a demon. We have to stop at this point and we'll pick it up next Wednesday night. Demons have to possess. They're not, they're not fallen angels. There's a difference between fallen angels and demons. Fallen angels are powers and principalities, rulers of darkness. Demons have to possess a human body. We're going to see why the angels don't, fallen angels don't have to do that. Perhaps next Wednesday night. But demons have to inhabit a body or that of an animal. And this story really plays it out with our eyes wide open to this particular truth of this study. Well, we got to stop. 8.06. You enjoyed that tonight? That's, that's stuff deep now. Again, that's my study. If you say, I don't buy that, hey, God bless you. <laughs> Wonderful. 
But this is, this is, I'm, I'm taking you to my desk and I'm taking you to my open Bible and what I've learned through the years. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.